Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly Podcast. I am your host, Chris, as usual, or most of the time. And tonight I've got two of our regular three guests to have a chat about some French action with. So, uh, first of all, it's Phil. Good evening, Phil. Good evening. And uh, safe from your travels uh, down to my neck of the woods last week, I hear, and uh, all is well, I presume? Yes, very well indeed. Um, you know, congratulations to Nat and Nathan. There you go. And uh, also, uh, in the midst of um, moving around all sorts of places and doing all sorts of fun things, it's Mr. Jeremy Smith. You're right, Jess? Hello. <laughs> how, how, is, uh, how is sort of being between properties at the moment? Is it, is it as hellish as it sounds? Um, it's not as bad as I was fearing. It could be better. <laughs> so that sounds a lot like a few of the teams we're going to talk about tonight. What a brilliant segue. Look at that. It writes itself. <laughs> Absolute pro. <laughs> Well, tonight's uh, episode, we thought we'd do something a little, just a little bit off of the norm uh, in that we're going to put the focus on the uh, quote unquote top four, because currently the top four are not the top four, but uh, the big four, if you will, is our spotlight on tonight's podcast. So we are going to talk about those in a moment. But before we do that, let's run down the weekend's action and score lines from those games. Friday night, I saw, uh, the, I saw the kickoff of the weekend's action with Olympic Lyonnais rather surprisingly losing at home to Patrick Vieira's niece, as we have to call them now, Alan Saint-Maximum's deflected winner in the 50th minute, proving to be the undoing of Bruno Genesio's side. More on Leon later. Uh, also, more on PSG later. They did get a 4-2 victory over Nîmes, but it was far from secure and far from comfortable. 2-0 up uh, inside 40 minutes, uh, including a goal directly from a corner from uh, Angel Di Maria. Questionable goalkeeping, but still quality. Uh, Neymar also scoring and going to the crowd to uh, to show his affection for a, a nicely worded banner. Uh, it was uh, 2-2, though, before you knew it. Uh, Bobochon with a, a wonderful long-range screamer to make it 2-1. Of course, Savinier topped away a penalty, which was given on VAR after Thiago Silva's foul. But uh, as PSG do, they roared back. And Kylian Mbappe scoring what proved to be technically the winner on 77 with Cavani, sewing it up in the 90th minute. And two red cards apiece for the aforementioned Mbappe and Savanier. Uh, Mbappe showing that he has a little bit of a temper, shoving the uh, opponent to the floor and being red carded. And well, uh, if, if anyone hasn't seen Mbappe's goal, I urge them to see it. The technique Abs- is absolutely superb. sensational, isn't it? Yeah, sort of a uh, kind of a knee height uh, half volley, um, just rocketed. Kind of a combination of Lacazette's goal the, the weekend um, with a, a standard volley from a side angle. It's, it's a wonderful finish. It's more, the, it's more the control of oh, the first touch. The yeah, the first touch was sublime. He's quite good at football, if you didn't mm. know already. Um, also, Angers, they were quite good at football this week because they got a 1-0 victory over Lille. Uh, Traore with the winner. Uh, Mangani was also sent off in that game with just over half an hour to play, but they clung on for a home victory. Uh, Lille going back to what we remember. Uh, Carl? <laughs> continue to uh to keep my um pre-season prediction of having a good season alive i don't know how long it'll go on for but we'll take it while we can goals from crivelli and the returning claudio bovu who's just come back from a little trip to spain he's back in liga the 90th minute clincher to no win for Kant over dijon uh to lose also um basically increasing the, uh, the turmoil at Gangon, who remain at the bottom of the table, losing 2-1 at home, Max Gradel and uh, Sangare with the goals for Toulouse, who also said, also had Todibo sent off, uh, 
Um, in fact, it was as early as a 26 minute for two bookable offences. But uh, despite Turam's goal back for Gangomp, it still ended in a win for the away side. And uh, Rams losing at home to Montpellier. Uh, a first goal in Montpellier colours for a man who uh, I don't know, Phil, you've seen much of much of the goal scorer or Yongo, but uh, a lovely finish. And uh, he was um, he was the toast of Montpellier on Saturday night. And uh, he's actually come from, I didn't realise this, he's actually come across from uh, MLS, which I didn't realise. He's a Cameroonian descent defender, but he was been playing for uh, New York Red Bulls and Montreal Impact. Fun facts. Yeah. Um, so he came up with the winner there. Uh, we also saw another away win, full of them this weekend, for Nantes, who won in Strasbourg. Good result that for them. Uh, Strasbourg went in front through a short game with the first goal on 21 before Mitrovic. Lucas Evangelista, that's a great name. And, uh, of course, that man Salah making it 3-1 before a late goal from Da Costa. Pulling one back for Strasbourg wasn't enough. And then on the Sunday fixtures, St Etienne nil, Amiens nil. Enough said. Well, St Etienne are the only other unbeaten side so far. They just aren't scoring many goals. Who'd have thought? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, fair point. They had a few refereeing decisions go against them this week. That's also fair, yeah. Yeah, there there were a few questionable ones in in that particular game. Uh, But nevertheless, a nil-nil home draw. Uh, Rich will be happy because Wren came off the... um, uh, came off with a lovely weekend, lovely victory at the weekend, a 2-0 win at home to Bordeaux, who we continue to not know uh, particularly about the future of at this, this stage, particularly managerially. Uh, Andre and Bessabiani with the goals there, um, two goals inside the first 15 minutes securing the victory. And finally, on the they're, Sunday night... By the way, they're both worth watching just for spectacularly mm. bad defending. Yes, particularly the second one, the space Bessabiani gets from the corner. My goodness me, you could have driven four Bessabiani through that gap, but still. Um, and speaking of, of space and poor defending, that brought us on to the final game of the weekend, which we'll discuss in a minute, uh, which ended Monaco 2, Marseille 3. Uh, fair to say that Monsieur Rami didn't have the best of evenings, and uh, he has uh, Mitroglou, Tovan and Germain to thank for bailing him out of the, uh, of the, the, the fire, shall we say. Tielemans and Falcao scoring for Monaco in a really topsy-turvy game which was uh, full of fun I quite enjoyed watching that one um, so that was the weekend's action so as I said this week we're going to just discuss a little bit about the top four or quote unquote the top four sides they of course being PSG uh, Lyon Marseille and Monaco as we previously mentioned so um, I'm going to start with uh, the, the Sunday game if you will because that incorporates two of those two clubs Marseille and Monaco uh, Jez, I'm going to start with you on Monaco. Um, this result for me, and indeed their performance for me on, on Sunday night, kind of typifies where they are at this precise second in time. Um, transition is that word that everyone uses. They, they've rebuilt a side. There's a lot of young players in there, huge amounts of talent um, in that, that squad. But it's going to take time. Is this a season where Monaco maybe have to look at just making Champions League again or, or just making the top four alone? Or is it a season where you can actually see these young players flourishing under under Jardim? Uh, well, I mean, if, if they make Champions League, I would, I would say that's probably more than flourishing. Um, I, he really, really has been dealt a, a tough hand this year. I mean, you look at the starting lineup and there's, there are quite a few relatively experienced players there, but... There's been such a big overhaul and so many of the players who have come in are so inexperienced and so young that if he if he manages to to get them to Champions League this year, I just I think I'll give the it's it's up there with winning the title. 
for, for his greatest achievement at Monaco. Um, added to the fact that Falcao isn't quite the player he was, Tiedemans hasn't quite got to where we hoped he'd be by now. Um, it's I think it's a really tough job for him trying to juggle what is a big squad but a very inexperienced squad and working out what's best. I mean it's you know it's nice to see I and I say actually get a game for Monaco having mm. officially been on their books for two or three years already. But um yeah, there's a lot of work for him to do. It's going to take him time to, to work out his best team. It's going to take the team time to, to gel together. And it could be too late, um, too late by then. And, you know, um, this isn't another criticism of Marseille at all. It's, you know, they have finally got a win over one of the other members of the Big Four. And I think it's their first win in Monaco for eight years, which obviously is mitigated by the fact Monaco weren't always in the gap at that time. But, um, you know, the, although it's inverted commas big four, I think it's it's hard to really see Monaco as one of the best four teams in Liga at the moment. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they just miss out on Champions League full stop. And by the way, well, one quick thing, when you, when you talked about, you know, Rami having Torvan Shema to thank, he also has a big thank you to Benalio because that was yeah, awful, he does. awful goalkeeping to so let in Shema's header and... Mm. That's another thing that they're missing. I think they're missing Subasic a lot at the moment. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he was one of the goalkeepers of the World Cup, really, wasn't he? And and essentially played on one leg in in was it in the semi final? I think it was, and probably even in the final for that matter. So, yeah, he's he's a big miss. Um, when you look at that squad, Phil, coming to you on, on this one, it's, as Jess touched on, it is a big squad, mm. and it's it's kind of a bit of a for me, it's slightly an unbalanced squad because you've got. You've got experience. You look at the likes of Raji, who's obviously not going to play much. Uh, Camille Glick, the goalkeeper we mentioned, Subasic is 33. Um, Falco up front, who's, who's now into his 30, I think he's 32. Um, they signed Nasser Chadley in midfield, who's 29. But there's no sort of what I call mid-gap players. That, that There's not many 24, 25-year-olds. It seems yeah. to be 18 the, to 21 or the, the age above. profile chart would probably That's the one. like a big dip in the middle. Um, yeah. I think one thing, as ever, with the kind of um, departure lounge uh, transfer uh, situation that, that Monaco have got going on, they got 10 players back from loan deals and then, of course, promptly sent seven of them back out again. So, in a sense, the, the ins and outs at Monaco is always coloured by the fact that a lot of the ins and outs are, is, is basically, you know, accumulate to, to profit. Um, it's the players that aren't going to play for them that are on the books and are being, in a sense, used as, as almost financial instruments. And that's why, as Jez says, it's nice to see Ape Benassa actually getting getting a game after being kind of in that category for some years. So when you look at the ones that have actually come in, I mean, they already had, um, uh, you know, they, they've picked up um, Samuel Grancier from Tri is one of the, the younger ones and he's one of the cheaper ones. Um, I'm hoping he's still there and hasn't been loaned out and I've missed it. But I think um, some of the kind of more under-the-radar signings, as opposed to this uh, Golovin guy, might be might be more interesting to watch. So it's an interesting mixture of where they've got people from. You know, Cheska, Strasbourg, West Brom, Chelsea under-18s, Troyes. I mean, it it's, feels very... Um, it feels 
a bit different from previously because I think they've only bought one Portuguese player. Yeah. Um, so far. Um, so that's because Wolves have stockpiled all the other. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Portuguese Very Wolves, possibly, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, we've seen we've seen Jardim remake this team over and over again, and I think we thought last season was it a transfer window too far that the, simply with so many people had gone, he couldn't keep doing it. And there's been another summer of you know. 20 in, 18 out. It must be the one of the most confusing jobs in the world. I mean, I imagine he's probably sitting there thinking, hang on, has he left or not? Where is he? <laughs> Do we still have him? Um, because there is so much movement. So obviously managing that movement is a very special skill set. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think, yeah, like Jez, this is... After you know two seasons ago, winning the league, it may have gone over the tipping point now. Yeah, yeah. it's it's um, we're just talking about transfers quickly in general. I think we'll be more specific in a bit. But talking in general, it's it's always funny going to the LFP website and the transfers page because I always imagine that compared to Premier League, for example, there's there's massive turnover of players in and out in France at all clubs um, but when you scroll down and you get to Monaco you're scrolling for a long time yeah. <laughs> pages, yeah. okay, I, I have the dashboard ready and I have had to make the dashboard longer to accommodate <laughs> Monaco yeah. the, the signings they have made I will say the, the two that I think really have impressed me so far and they again were good um, albeit one of them was a debut on Sunday uh, Benjamin Heinrichs from Leverkusen is a player that I think will, will really suit the way they play as an overlapping fullback much in the same way that Mendy did before he left um, and on the other side uh, Baraka who they got from Torino has, mm. has really looked the part and, and Granso did indeed play at the weekend I think he's one that will will come good Pellegri is another player who if given the game time I think will be every bit worth the money they paid for him. It's a lot of money, but he's he's very talented. And we, we've yet to say that we've seen one appearance from Goebbels. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a few others, as you've mentioned, Benacer is another one to keep an eye on. Ronnie Lopez had his moments on on Sunday without really penetrating too much. And as you said, Golovan as well, yet to see him, and he's only 22 mm. Tielemans twenty one, so there is potential. Well, one um, of one of the things I was kind of concerned about. I'm just checking me checking my figures here. Um, centre back, because we did kind of think um, that was something where you know the the were kind of um, issues, slight issues. Mm. Um, so they've got this. Jonathan Panzo in from Chelsea under 18s. Yeah. Congolo's now properly off at uh, at Huddersfield. Yeah. Um that leaves them didn't Jemison and Glick were the first two on Sunday. Else? Yeah. Yeah, um, still Jemison and Glick. Raggy, Raggy's still yeah. Raggy, there. yeah. They got Pierre they, Gabriel as well who's uh, I think he's likely to get he's games right. this year. A right back, though. I don't. I wouldn't put him as, as a centre back. I mean, no. they're a very big squad, but they not in every position. Yeah, that's, I think Toure as well is always mm. 
sort of yeah. cast himself as a centre back as well. Yeah. Mm. There isn't a lot there in terms of if you look at. But that's it, three. You know, yeah, and, 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 a, and if and an eighteen-year-old. So. And if you if you look at the what you'd call Europe's elite, quote unquote, in in air quotes, they've all got, if you like, one star name that you can say, yeah, that is the leader of that defence, haven't they? I think and, you, you'd uh, say that was small, smalling. Jones. Well, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd say that was Glick, but yeah, he is. He's not what he was. No, and he's he's not quick. Um, that that was very highlighted. Um, and 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 to be fair as well, for a man whose his strength is in the air, he was beaten very easily by Mitroglu. Uh, he's a good header, very good header, in fact. Mm. Um, and the, the cross from from Pai was was superb. But Glick was beaten in the air, and and he he hasn't looked. I don't know. Just hasn't quite looked the Glick of last year yet, albeit four games gone. But you, you just wonder if maybe again a player who we'll talk about PSG in a minute. You, you think what they brought in with Kara, uh, a player of that sort of stature, that sort of style, who's you know sort of early twenties is, is still young, but is an up and coming sort of player that Europe has been looking at, rather than relying on a player who's on his way down and Andrea Raji. So mm. yeah. And, and Jemis and I, I go back and forth with, I, I like him one week and I, I panic the next. Um, I like to call it Mustafi theory. Um, you just never know what you're going to get with him. One mm. minute he does look the part and others he just doesn't. And as you said, as you said as well, just the, the goalkeeper situation on paper, Subasic and Benaglia, you think, yeah, that's two quality goalkeepers. In reality, it's one quality goalkeeper and a backup um, who's not really anywhere near what he probably should be. Um, just before we move on from Monica, then, I'm, just, I'm going to ask you for each of the four teams uh, to rate between one and ten transfer business because we are going to kind of focus on the ins and outs. So, um, Phil, what do you think Monaco's mark should be on this transfer window? Six. Six. I know, I'm, I'm using the Lekeep, um marking approach. Yep, I, I would there's, probably... There's, there's some good stuff in there. There's still some holes, but it's, you know, better than... Better than nothing. Jazzy, yeah. would you go higher or slightly lower? Uh, in terms of money made? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not even... That, <laughs> sorry, are we doing... The amounts that we're involved in. I'm, well, are we I'm doing talking... out of 10 or 20, sorry? Out of 10, and this is purely for overall business, so ins and outs, profit and loss, you know, just general sort of feel for their summer. Yeah, five, six. I mean, I think it could prove in two, three seasons to have been an absolutely fantastic transfer window, but purely for this season, I don't think it's great. Mm. Yep, no, I think that's that's a fair point. And probably the biggest transfer they're going to have to fend off this season is is the manager, because you do feel that, um, you know, as good as Jardim is and, and clearly is brilliant, surely somebody is going to have a little look at him if things don't go Monaco's way this season and think, actually, let's get him out of there. But we shall see. We shall see. Um, next three fixtures for um, for Monaco, by the way, to lose away uh, Atletico Madrid in the Champions League and Nîmes at home. So you'd think the next two Liga games, at least, they should be able to get at, uh, maximum points. You'd think Atletico Madrid, another question. We'll touch on the Champions League and Europa League draws a little later. But we'll move on to Marseille next, uh, who were the other team obviously involved in that thriller on the Sunday night. Um, Phil, let's start with you on this one. Is the, uh, the, the again sort of looking at the squad overall? Marseille is always a, a club that some people hate them, some people love them, some people are just intrigued by them. Um, 
they always look to me like a side that you kind of watch them sometimes and you think, yeah, there's, there's real, there's a real platform there. There's, there's a real sort of chance that they could kick on. And then you watch other games and you just think what's happened here, but they just completely fall apart. And they were brilliantly summed up on, on Sunday night in the fact that they were in front and absolutely in control of Monaco at one nil absolutely crapped the nest and, and were two goals down before you knew it or two one down and then showed real resilience and heart and character to get back and, and notch a last minute winner uh-huh. Where I was kind are of they? watching this question. through the medium of Twitter and watching our, our good friend um, Mo Ali and, uh, and the Marseille UK guys going absolutely spare with the yeah. equaliser and then uh, Germain's winner in, um, in the 90th minute yeah. I think it's, it's the shortest list of ins and outs and that tells you something and it tells you why I think some of Marseille's fans are tearing their hair out because when you look at the names that are on the list most of them aren't really movements either I mean Remy Cabela was already at Saint-Étienne Doria was already all of us had basically forgotten he was there Jordan Amavi was already at Marseille um Saifedin Cowie was off at where was he? Uh, oh God, you've asked me. Yeah, and he's gone now. Gone, been um, sent out to to Kong. So there's not an an awful lot of actual comings in. Strootman obviously is the big name, and that seems weird because midfield was where they've got Luis Gustavo, Morgan Sanson. Um, my name's gone. The guy that was stuck back at centre-back at some point as well and has played left-back. You know, he's a DM. My God. Kamara, I think yes. Kamara's a defender. Oh, yeah, yeah yes. And he's, I, yeah, I think he's a defensive midfielder, but he's been shoved back there occasionally. So it felt like midfield was an area where they were okay and they had more issues maybe in the centre-back department. Now, they brought in Dujia Kaletaka, who we did see in the Europa League. Yes. He played against them, didn't he? Which is clearly where somebody was making notes. But, and Hubikan's come back from wherever the hell he was. Um, on loan. Traps on sport. Traps on sport, yes. Yes. But yeah, he was it still feels like the defence has definitely got a rip in it. And that's obviously, in a sense, the... You know, the right-back situation with Saar and Sakai looks fine. The left-back, you know, Amavi and maybe Kamara over there, fine. But the, the, there's something about that kind of triangle, defensive, central defensive triangle with the goalkeeper and the centre-backs, which makes you a, still makes you a bit nervous. So it felt a bit... I mean, they did bring somebody in, which was great, given that they didn't bring many people in. But it still felt a bit a bit awkward and not having brought in a centre forward to help out given what some people think of, you know, Metroglou and, and Germain. I think Marseille fans are not happy with the window and you can understand why. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they cope with fighting on, on kind of two fronts, but maybe fighting on the Europa League front will be less problematic than if they had managed to get up to third. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how this pans out because it, because there's been, in a sense, so little change, it's going to be very much a case of, 
you know, moving on with what you've got and trying to develop those players and develop um, Garcia's judgment. And, and so that should be, should be interesting. To watch, yeah. Just in, in terms of what they have done business-wise, um, Phil mentioned Kevin Streetman coming in late in the day. He was arguably the best player on the pitch on on Sunday, not because he did anything spectacular, but he moves the ball consistently in a forward motion. He eerily looks quite similar to Michael Carrick, both in terms of looks and the way he plays. He's, he's a very sort of sensible but careful passer of the ball you know he very rarely gives the ball away and he seems to sit comfortably in that Marseille midfield and as a result Luis Gustavo played centre-back at the weekend and to be fair played quite well is that kind of where Marseille are looking to plug that hole in terms of the centre-back position firstly and and secondly if you go the way up, up to the other end of the pitch are we going to see more of a kind of a Tovan free roll to try and get more goals with an already kind of limp looking forward line I hate to be harsh on Mitroglou and, and Germain but as good as they are are they really enough without a Tovan style character adding goals to midfield um, I, I, to be completely honest I actually think they would be good enough if they were allowed to play together I think that Germain is infinitely better up front with someone else and um, Mitroglu is, I think, a, a good player for the kind of player that he is, but he's not very mobile. He's very much a, a box player. And I think the, the formation that, that Garcia plays doesn't really do either of them any favours. Um, and, yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on Tovan to, to ensure, make sure that he keeps coming up with the goals, which obviously at the moment he is doing, so it's not too much of a problem. But overall, like... I do feel that it's still a relatively thin squad. I think last year, depending on how you look at it, you could say they got lucky or unlucky. They didn't have terrible injuries. So for the most part, it was a relatively settled team. Um, you know, it's much publicised that they didn't do brilliantly against the, the better teams. They were unlucky maybe in a couple of them. And I'd expect them, as, as we've already seen this Sunday, to have a bit more luck there. But there's a very good chance that they won't be as effective against the, the lesser teams this season. So I thought last year they were kind of, after last year, they were really set up to push on and sort of, you know, really use the, the, um, the good feeling from the, from the Europa League, fi- getting to the Europa League final to kind of push on and take the next step. And I do think they, could, they should make or could make top three only by virtue of the fact that, like I said, I think Monaco will struggle. But I am, I'm slightly disappointed that they haven't had a, a more active transfer window. Yes, they've, they've kept what they've got, but I'm not sure it was, I'm not sure it's quite enough for them to really push on. Um, you know, the fact that Luis Gustavo is playing centre-back, he's still very good at centre-back, but it's not his position and mm. it's, waste, it's not wasting him, but yeah, it's like he's he's good back there, but he's great in midfield. So you're exactly, compromising yeah. your overall balance by Putting sticking around. him back there because you have to, rather than because yeah, know, it's an actual tactical decision. I think square page Str- round holes. Strootman, I think, is is excellent, and I don't think there's there's many people who'd argue with that. I saw a couple of Roma people say we got a fantastic deal here. He's passed it. I think yeah. I'm not sure that people think he's passed it in the sense that he's not any good. I think there's just huge concern about his 
his fitness or his ability to remain fit. Um, I and so I think he's he's a good signing, especially as a replacement for Zamba Aguisa. Although I am surprised they spend that much, but I do think that the big positions that they they needed to look at were uh, centre back and up front. They haven't brought anyone in up front and. Um, Kaleta Saar, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Kaleta Saar, whatever it is, um, may prove to be a good signing, but he's, I think, looked awful so far. Um, so, um, actually, to be completely honest, I'd have thought maybe about a new goalkeeper as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, I do think that there were areas that they could have looked to strengthen and they haven't. So, yeah, it, the fact that it's the same squad that did so well last year is, in a sense, a good, a good point. But I'd have been looking at them to to have a stronger squad than they did last year. Yeah, especially with Europa League again. You know, I don't think they did well to get to the final, but let's make no bones about it. They were absolutely taken apart by a side that are clearly on an infinitely different level, albeit a side in Atletico who dropped out of the Champions League, let's not forget. But I thought that final just really encapsulated how far Marseille still have to come as a club. Um, I do, having said all that, personally think they're going to finish second, so you can hold me to that at the end of the season. But um, let's um, let's grade their, their transfer window then. Um, Phil, are you... Are you uh, are you positive or, or slightly negative or in the middle? Again, I'm using the uh, Le Keep approach, uh, and I'd say four. Mm, okay, Jazz? Um, I'd say it's, I think, I think better than Monaco, so hmm. maybe I'll downgrade Monaco to a five and make... <laughs> uh, no, I suppose my say should be five because they basically haven't really done anything. Yeah, so it should be sort of down, yeah, down the middle. If you mm. don't do anything and you needed to do something, that's different than not doing anything when you don't need to do anything. True, yeah, it's, true. The, it's the Tottenham thing, isn't it? That's, Does keeping your best players make it a good window? Half of four. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. I guess time will tell, and uh, whether that squad's going to be thick enough to to last those Europa games as well will be interesting to see what sort of sides they put out. Because from memory, I'll check in a second. But their group is, if I'm pretty sure, their group is quite tough. Uh, as I say, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but we will move on to uh, Leon next. Olympic Lyonnais. Now, this one really intrigues me. Um, this is a bit. This is a bit like Monaco with people. Oh, coming back again, coming in and then going out again. Going, it's it's all over the shop. But I I, I think uh, this is really sort of interests me. This this one, how what what sort of situation is is this Leon squad in for you, Jez, at the moment? I mean, we I saw even Alex Lacazette was tweeting yesterday saying that they need that the, the Leon faithful need to give Genesio time, um, which we've heard we heard pretty much all last season. Um, there have been some additions that I like the look of in terms of uh, Terrier, I think, is, is a player that I really like and is a good addition. They've managed to hold on to Nabil Fakir for now. Um, same with uh, Ndombele. But when you look at that Leon squad, to me, it looks so thin, particularly in midfield, so little options. Um, they did address the defensive issues, but not enough for, for my liking. And and again, I look at that forward line and I just think, is there enough goals in that if Depay is off form, if Fakir is, is either injured or, or not playing? Um, Moussa Dembele is, of course, the X factor in all that who's coming from, from Celtic. What 
sort of position do you feel Leon are in uh, as we sort of go into this this first break? It hasn't been a, a stellar start, to be fair, is it? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you can sort of distinguish the start they've got from the transfer window. I think it's been an awful yeah. start. So in that sense, I don't think they're in a good position. In terms of the transfer window and the state of the squad, it's sort of... There were points where kind of from day to day or even hour to hour, I'd have given you a different answer. Yeah. Um, uh, for a lot of the time, it felt like it had more or less kind of balanced out. So, you know, for you lose a Goebbels, but you bring in a Terrier kind of thing. And mm. I'm not sure that's... It's a pity to, to see Goebbels and Malida, for example, leave, but, um, you know, Terrier coming in isn't so bad. Um, you know, they, they taking a Monaco point of view, they made a lot of good money this transfer window, selling players like Diacabi and even Mariano for, for decent amounts of money, which you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, the the problem is that again, like Marseille, they didn't address their their main areas of concern, which are definitely centre back. Um, Phil, maybe as a City fan, will know more about Denier than I do, but his nope. name's sort of been... Well, that's, that's kind nope. of the thing. His, his, his name's been around for a few years now. And, but and hasn't sort of really played for... Hasn't kicked on, no, no. So, you know, that probably says a lot as it is. Dubois, I thought, was a really good signing, but he's started really poorly. Um, and then, as you said, the other one is, is sort of defensive midfield cover, I think, for, for Toussaint. The, the pro- as you said, the problem is in midfield that we know that's a fantastic midfield, but so far this season they haven't really hit it off. I was done very little. They haven't gelled either, have they? Yeah, and they, and they suddenly look very thin. Mm. Up front, I think Dembele, you could say, saved their window. I yeah. think they, in, sen- mm. in a sense, they were kind of yeah. unlucky because you know, clearly they were expecting to sell Fekir. It didn't happen, so that changed things. Then up front, okay, there, there was sort of Goebbels had to go, Malida in the end had to go, Mateta they made good money with. Um, but, you know, they were obviously putting a lot of eggs in the Greery basket. Mm-hmm. And so his, his injury was really unlucky. So I do think Dembele very much saved their window in that I think he's yep. a top-class striker and it was important they brought him in. But uh, weirdly, when you've got You've got Dembele, you've got Terrier, you've got Depay, you've got Traore, you've got Fekir. It does still feel like, I'm not sure how reliable a, a, a forward line that, that is, because Fekir, as fantastic as he is, he's not the out-and-out striker that's going to get you 20-odd goals. Terrier and Dembele were the best one in the world, but, you know, relatively young, and it's, it's a lot to put on their shoulders. Traore is, can really blow hot and cold. And Depay, frankly, I think is a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Get off the fence. <laughs> okay. um, you know, okay, last year, 19 goals, fantastic. But he spent all summer, basically. You know, he might as well have... Courting Milan, yeah. Come and get me tattooed across his forehead. Well, it's the only funny. place that's left. He hasn't had well, yeah, that's true. I mean, there was an article today um, saying... Depay opens the door to a possible departure. Feels, Present feels, tense. He'd opened the door before he'd arrived at Lyon. It feels like he's used Lyon, doesn't it? Like since he's left Manchester, totally, it feels yeah. like he's rebuilt. It, almost Balotelli-esque at Nice. It's like, well, I've, I'll, I'll drop 
as much as I hate saying this, I'll drop down to a, a league where I probably can do a little bit more than I could in a, you know, uh, inverted commas, top quality league. I know that I, I don't like criticising the French league, but it is what it is. You know, you are going to probably score more goals in league than you would in, in the Premier League or La Liga, arguably. So it feels like they're two players that have dropped down, rebuilt their reputations, and the minute the opportunity comes, they're, like you say, hanging their, their leg, uh, you know, flashing a bit of skirt and saying, come and get me. It's Hatton Ben Arthur. There's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what Jess has mentioned some of the outs, as it were, that again, this is looking at this as a bit like the Monaco, you know, transverse lounge. A lot of the ins at Lyon aren't really ins because they've gone back out again or they were already there. Obviously, it's brilliant that they've um, sewn up Dombele to a permanent deal. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Terrier's come back. Great. Um, then they've got um, obviously Moussa Dembele, Jason Denea, Lenny Pinter, who I don't really know much about, but they brought him from, from Brest in Ligue 2, so yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. But they've got rid, and not just loans, actual transfers of Kalulu, Mateta, um, Malida, Del Castillo, yeah. Goebbels, Del Castillo. I mean, that's a lot of, given that Lyon is famous for bringing the youngsters through, they've brought these youngsters through and five of them have gone in the same window. And add to that, Mariano Diaz, who I know tailed off a lot last season, but was the kind of single-minded, slightly older, slightly thuggier player that maybe they need up front. Because... They are a very young team. A lot of experience has kind of been cut out of this with, you know, Dada going off last season on loan and now off for good. They are very young. And there's been, you know, a lot of digs still at Genesio recently. I thought, was there something weird happened over the weekend about training sessions and filming things? I I don't know. Yeah. But well, it more, like, more than that, it was kind of he and his family were accosted coming out yeah. of the- I mean, it's, it's, it's not, obviously, that is unacceptable. But again, we've got fans here who are very unhappy because it looks like a lot of business has been done in and out. But when you look at it in reality, it's more out than in. So like Jess says, I think Mr. Nobelli coming in late doors really did save their window. Yeah, and I think he will. I think he will light up again. Sadly, I think it will be a very brief marriage before he's moving on again. But we could be wrong. Just before I get you to score their transfer window, I just want to ask just a straightforward yes or no. Because if if it isn't more than a yes or no, it'll go on forever. Trust me. Um, Jean Michel Olas, positive or negative when dealing in transfers? Yes or no, Jazz? When dealing in transfers, positive. Positive. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and you you agree, Phil? Yeah, I I do. I also agree. Many people don't. So well, just the, the thing is, a couple of years ago, you look at what French players were going for, mm. and within France, you would get a cracking player for two million. And the problem was they were selling them to the Premiership for two million as well. And it was all as putting his kind of sticking his digging his heels in and saying, "No, this guy's worth ten, twelve million." was one of the and I think it's improved now you know Montpellier are getting eight nine ten million for 
uh, for, for strikers, which wouldn't have happened before. You saw a massive difference in the transfers within France versus the transfers outside. But the transfers outside, they were still underpricing themselves. And um, Olas, I think, by being so stubborn and difficult and obdurate and all of those other kind of negative words, has actually been a positive for the French football market as a whole in that clubs are able to say, no, we want eight million for Mateta, who's barely played a game and getting it. Yeah. yeah 15 he... million for Diakabi, who's not very good. 10 for, for Maulida. You know, th- those are the kind of... Um, the kind of changes, leaving aside the stuff, go, you know, people going to Monaco, people going to PSG, it's stupid money. But somebody going to Mainz for eight million when he's barely played for the first team—that's the kind of thing that Allas is about. Yeah, he's trying to level them up with the silly money, trying to take advantage of the silly money that is elsewhere. And and if Fakir does have another sensational season, he his value will go up oh, even yeah. higher than, than this summer's quoted prices, I would imagine, as well. Yeah. So, okay. Um, scoring then. Uh, Phil, what do you think for their ins and outs or their business? Uh, five. Five. Jazz? I think I started everything too low. Because <laughs> you really have I, I mean, too high, sorry, because I do think... Dembele saved it, and I do think mm. it's been slightly better than both Monaco and Marseille. It doesn't deserve a seven out six, of ten. But, but I'm, I'm cross with them for selling so many promising youngsters and not letting them develop at a club that, yeah. you know... I was going six, I must admit. I was, I was kind of in there with... Okay, well, I'll, 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 I'll say six grudgingly. We'll go six. Okay. All right, I'll say six ungrudgingly then. <laughs> <laughs> six is all around. <laughs> Okay, um, and finally, um, we we do have to, of course, touch on uh, the all-conquering ones. Uh, they Mess. Of... <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, we're coming for you, Jez, as I mentioned pre-pod. Um, no, not Mets, unfortunately. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain are, are, of course, who we refer to. Um, they've had um, an interesting summer, which culminated in... It's strange that last day, I think it's fair to say. More on that in a second. Like, like I said, the, the Marseille fans may have been frustrated. The PSG fans, I think, were, were drinking heavily and wondering what the board were on. Yeah, as, as, as am I, if I'm honest. Um, if we look at the overall sort of squad as, as it stands, um, again, Ups and downs. They kept Rabio, um, which I think there was a. Is, that, is that enough for a down? I was just going to say, is that enough for a down? I think when nobody's really sure. Same with Marco Verratti. Um, same with Ankel Di Maria. All three linked in and out over the same summer. Same with Cavani. Same with Cavani. Um, they've added the uh, striking brilliance and, and uh, wonder of uh, Maxim Chupamoting. I'm sorry, I had to go there. Um, Juan Bonat, I think, is, is a solid. Signing, I think that's actually quite good business for the price they paid and for the experience but, but, he offers. They, they needed him because Gary B's gone, which was a strange one for me. Why was it? I thought it was a strange one, and um, that leaves Kazawa, who is busy on Twitter wishing himself a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> only <laughs> other left, <laughs> unless he's gone playing the kids again. Let's that was it. such a sad tweet. It was. <laughs> it, it was very much like he's having a party by himself. And let's just <laughs> let's just. Let's just set it straight now. Uh, they've lost. They've got Kazawa, who is crap. Let's just tell it like it is. Well, and and a bit of a liability, and a bit of a liability of, off the pitch. Um, kind of. Well, no, 
I'm thinking on the pitch after well, both like <laughs> under both. under twenty one situation where we completely yeah. lost his So yes, they've had um one of their youngsters was a left back before, but I mean they, they had to get somebody in or that would have been that would have been ridiculous. So yeah. That kind but, of the the burnout um purchase was you know it, that was an absolute necessity rather than an augmentation, I'd say. Yeah. They have um, they have brought in one player that I'm I'm really excited by is is the the new centre back uh, Kela who um, I've seen a little bit of and he he caught my eye every time I saw him play for Schalke he is only 21 he's mm. played in Germany his whole life he's come through the sort of the system in in Germany in terms of under 16s all the way through I think he's going to be a really good signing mm. where I want to just sort of open this this talk though is. PSG, there's no point discussing Ligue 1 because we all know they're going to win it, barring some sort of flu bug that wipes out the entire squad for the season. They are going to win it. So there's no debate about that. So really how I want to transition it into the discussion about the European draws, which we'll come on to in a second, is surely this PSG side, success or failure, Tuchel is going to be judged on Champions League. Mm. First question I have for you, Phil, is... Can they play Marquinhos well, and Rabiot as the two holding midfielders in the Champions League? Because that, to me, just doesn't work. Well, this is the thing. When you say Kerr coming in and he's only 21, um, a bit like we were saying about the age uh, curve of Monaco. Look at PSG centre-backs. You've got Thiago Silva, the big daddy, and then you've got Marquinhos, Kimpembe, and this Kerr guy, who are all, what, 21, 22? Yeah. I imagine Marquinhos is older now. But, I mean, this, there's a... There's, so Marquinhos is basically the guy we're looking at to be the senior defender in a decent centre-back partnership, I'd say. And that's still a bit of a, a bit of a reach. Um, and then when you look at the DM side, obviously Thiago Motta is off um, coaching in the academy and has already been sent off once. Um, so who's there because they've got Krachoviak, obviously they've kept Rabiot. There were some funny banners up about Rabiot, I think, at one of the games. I'll try and find the tweet. Um, but, you know, it's it's Lastiara is the senior kind of holding midfielder. It's going to be all out attack again, and we saw how well that's worked in the past. They need the defence to be more organised. I think now they've got a bit more kind of cohesion maybe at right back with you know Alves Munoz still there isn't he yes yeah. he's been yeah. very good this season as well left back we've got one guy basically it's still it's weird given how much money is involved here but it still looks a little bit thin yeah and I still don't really understand the whole Buffon situation other than unless they were deliberately trying to piss off Alphonse Ariola, um, and then he's he's playing. He, it's weird, isn't it? Because he is playing. Well, they've managed to keep hold of him, so somebody must have promised him a lot. I wonder if it's heavy rotation. I wonder if they are looking at Buffon as the Champions League goalkeeper and 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 saying to Ariola, "Look, you will play forty, fifty percent of the games in Liga." Because that's the only. Yeah, it's like Ariola's. I that to me would be. They know, like you say, they know the league is a walkover. So it's the Champions League games that count. Mm. So if he's told, oh, yeah, you're going to be the goalkeeper in the competition that we're going to win anyway. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we've brought in this 
40-year-old on a free and he's going to do the Champions League because he's really good. I mean, that would... Yeah, it's not really a show of faith, is it? I mean, it still feels... Again, there's a lot of ins and outs here, but a lot of them are people coming in who then went back out again or Adam Ben Arthur um, (laughs) or Odson Edward. I mean, weird stuff happening there. So there's a... It doesn't feel like they've done a lot either. It's just unlike Marseille, they've got a lot of names on the sheet, as it were. It's just a lot of them are the same going in and going out again. Um, is Hesse actually still at PSG? No, he's he's now gone. Oh, where's he gone? I'll look this up. He's I, sure my he's... my thing is from transfer mark, so I think I'm missing one or two i think he's gone on a permanent to where did he go where did he go i'm looking it up now i definitely saw his name pop up on on deadline day either he did go or he or he was close and didn't one of the two but i think they don't have him down as having gone no okay i could be wrong either so i think he's still kicking around oh here we go he turned down an opportunity turned down an opportunity to join a spanish side by the looks of it so Wow. Okay. Well, he's he's going to be cleaning the loose then this year. Well, it's but again, it's a strange situation. They seem to have, like you said, the the impressive people who've come in are replacing people that had to be replaced. There's no, there's been no keynote signing because, of course, Mbappe's signing technically, in accounting terms, goes through this summer, and therefore mm. they couldn't spend a lot of money. I mean, no. they have done um, on two German players. So I think we can see how um, Tuchel uh, is is possibly putting his foot down in the boardroom. Um, well, you, you say that. It's, it's actually worth looking up a couple of the, some Twitter output and an article to that um, John Johnson has put out the last couple mm-hmm. of days because he's kind of said, yeah, we're always going to have a bad transfer window, but it's actually worse than it could have mm-hmm. been because mm-hmm. Enrique is pretty awful. And in the end, Tuchel had to kind of step in and do Enrique's job for him. Yeah. So, um, and he still didn't get the player. Which is how you end up with Maxim Chupamotting. Because I know he's come in from Stoke, but he was in the Bundesliga before, wasn't he? Yeah, he's... Well, not just that. He was, he was under Tuchel for quite a long time. Yeah, exactly. So... The least yeah. you can say is that he certainly knows him well. Yeah. But the one, the yeah. one he really wanted to call, he didn't get. That, that for me is the key one, and I think that must have come down to finances because he wanted um, the lad from Dortmund, whose name has now bloody escaped me, um, the holding midfielder. Oh goodness me, I'll have to look this up. But um, he wanted, uh, he wanted him, and. I, th- I think from what I can gather, they sort of said, well, you, I think the board came back to him and said, well, you've got Marco Verratti, so you, you don't need this one as well. Um, yeah. Sorry, just looking up his name I'm, now. I'm just annoyed with them for um, taking Jonathan Coney back after 18 months at Montpellier and seven yeah. in Lille. Oh, um, Julian Weigel is the one I'm talking of. Yes. He was the player they wanted to anchor that midfield with, with Rabiot or Verratti. Um, just let me bring you in on this as well. Then is is it as simple as how do I how do I put this without without sort of alienating people? If you talk to what I call the FIFA people on Twitter, and what I mean by that are the people that only play video games, or either FIFA or Football Manager, and they say, "Well, PSG have got all the money," and they start a career mode, and they just basically buy all the big players because PSG have got all the money. Um, we've seen with Manchester City that doesn't necessarily happen. You don't always buy the huge names but that said would it be sort of fair to say even with the Mbappe situation that PSG signings have somehow have been a little bit 
a little bit meh rather than a little bit oh do you know what i mean it, it, none of those buffon was the one that stood out just because it's buffon but yeah i don't think anything else has really you know set the pulses racing is it to be honest i think it's uh it is meh but i don't know how much i don't know how much better it could have been um i mean i suppose you know signing any defensive midfielder would have been better than signing none, for example. But <laughs> I just, you know, they really have, again, the City comparisons I still think are unfair because City have made enough mistakes and also have not yet won the Champions League and they've had their project going for a lot longer than PSG had. Mm. But all that said, PSG did stupidly spunk all their money onto players and they're, they're having to kind of make do and work around that now. So, again, you could say from a, a selling point of view, they've had a good transfer window because they have brought in a lot of money and probably have sort of kept the walls from the door. Um, I think John again alluded to the fact that the, the fact that the um, it's still not 100% clear whether those walls are kept from the door, whether there are still some kind of repercussions has prevented them from spending more money just in case. So all of that said, they haven't been able to do too much. But, yeah, I mean, surely they could have done better than Chubo Monting. Surely they still could have brought in some kind of defensive midfielder. Um, and, I mean, to the extent that the transfer window to me has been so meh, as you said, <laughs> and taking also into account the fact that and I think that's a very good thing, but um, Tuchel is blooding young players. Mm. I do wonder if maybe he's had a license to, you know, they kind of said to him, we're not expecting you to win the Champions League this year. It's not like the other years, just blood some youngsters, let's bide our time until next summer, and then we'll, and then we'll go all out the year after. Yeah. And for that reason, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm kind of hoping that's the case and that it could be a lot of fun watching PSG this year because if they bring these youngsters in if Mbappe keeps improving exponentially week by week and it really does feel like that at the moment with all of that possibly with Neymar having his ego pricked partly by all the criticism he's got recently and partly by the fact that let's be honest Nate, um, Mbappe is better than him now um, so maybe he'll get back in his, his box a little bit and play as a team player all of that Put together, PSG could be fun and maybe even likable this year. Yeah. But yeah, certainly in terms of, as you said, they're going to win the they're going to win league out anyway. But in terms of a transfer window to win the Champions League, absolutely not. Mm. No, I think that's as Joe said, they're going to win the league, but maybe by less than last time because if they line up with, you know, Dagbo on one side and Soki on the other, Antoine Bernard in midfield. And Kunku, you know, zipping around, that would be great because that would be, in a sense, what the promise was. Mm. Um, and so, if there's, you know, somebody paid millions a, a month kicking around as well, you know, it's going to be the, the younger guys, 19 years old, and they've already got a couple of starts. I really, really hope, as we said in one of the earlier pods, I really hope Tuchel keeps going with this because he didn't at the weekend that was what concerned me slightly and Soki played I think at left back but apart from that it was all you know the regulars we want to see more and that was against Neem who of course you wouldn't 
necessarily considered to be a large threat, despite the fact that they've been um, fairly chaotic so far this season. Um, so I really hope he does uh, keep with the youngsters, keep you know the old guard for the big games and the, the Champions League to go as far as they can. But to say we're not going to win by, what was it, 15, 17 points last season? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going to develop some more of these kids. Yeah, yeah, really that's hoping. that's what we want to see, isn't it? As yeah. you said, that, that's what we're what we're looking for. Um, score them on on the on the business, uh, Jez. First this time, uh, uh, low four to five at mm. best. Mm. Um, yeah. But again, it's, it depends what you're judging it by. But not in profit. not very good. But it completely self. Um, can't think of the word. It's their fault. Yeah, but they, yeah, it couldn't be better. Yeah, no, no, I completely yeah, agree. Yeah, I, I give them a, probably a four as well. Mm, I would have gone four, maybe, maybe four and a half at, at, at the at sort of worst. But okay, interesting. Right, so we'll 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 draw sort of a close to the pod this week by uh, just very briefly glossing over the. Um, Europa League and Champions League draws. Um, I suppose we should probably start in the Champions League, um, which I'm struggling to find because everything has just reset itself. There we go. That's better. Um, what do we make of the... Uh, I mean, obviously, PSG is going to be the focus. Um, do we expect both PSG and Monaco to get out of their groups? Monaco are in Group A with Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Bruges... Um, PSG have gone in with Napoli, Liverpool and Cravena uh, uh, Zvezka, which is formerly Red Star Belgrade, I think, for memory. Do we see both front sides getting out of the, their Champions League groups? Who did you say Monaco have? I haven't uh, paid any attention. Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund and Club Bruges. Well, not necessarily. If Borussia huh. Dortmund have pulled themselves together after, I think weren't very good last season, were they? Not great. Um, they've certainly been much better this season. I, I, I think Monaco are in a fight for second. I think Atletico take that group, and it's it's between Monaco and Dortmund for for either second second spot or or Europa League. I think. Um, you more confident, Jez, on that? Or no, you can start if you want. Oh no, Jez, Jez, is, Jez has got the door. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Wait for Jez. Um, Somebody what forgot to mute his microphone. Um, <laughs> no, I think we'll, we'll, we'll agree that Monaco might be in some trouble. What, what have Lyon got? Uh, in the Europa League. Uh, oh, Hang no, on. We... What? No. Oh, sorry. Sorry, uh, Lyon, did you say? Sorry. Yes, yeah. my bad. Uh, they are in with Hoffenheim, Man City and Shakhtar. Uh, that's F. doable if they pull themselves together, obviously for second. But, um, it's terrible that I even forgot they were in the Champions League. How awful is that? So used to seeing them in the Europa League. Um, I think I, that... I'll be honest, I don't know who's in Shakhtar's team at the moment, but Leon should... Lots of Brazilians. <laughs> yes, Leon should be able to, to deal with that. I don't know. I don't see them beating Hoffenheim twice. I, um, think all, all... I don't think they have to beat Hoffenheim twice. They have to beat him at home and or away and hope not to be humiliated by Man City as much as other people might be. Mm. Um, which, given that Leon's defence has some issues, may may be a big ask. But I think that's definitely doable. Mm. I think I'd rate Leon's chances higher than Monaco's, maybe, of getting out of the group. What do you think, I, I think all, all three have got possibly get out of all 
get out of the ball groups, but all three could easily crash and burn as well. I think Monaco, um, I think it's tough for them. I mean, Atletico Madrid, I think they're almost the, the worst possible opponents for them because, you know, they're a little, young, mentally weak team and Atletico, I think, would just set out to bully them. Um, <laughs> Beat I think them up at the bus stop and take their lunch money. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Um, I think, <laughs> unless they go easy and, and sort of, build everything around Lamar for that match, but I don't think they'll do that. Um, they, sh- you know, I'd expect them to finish ahead of Club Rouge. Dortmund, I've kind of lost track because it feels like they've had a big turnover as well. But you think that Dortmund would be would be stronger than Monaco at the moment. Mm. Um, so I think they could struggle, but they should be aiming for Europa League, which would already be an improvement on the European team mm. from last year. Um, Lyon, as you said, I think. It's uh, it looks on paper, obviously Man City aside, um, that it's it's a makeable group, but they can't. Um, we saw last year with Monaco, everyone sort of thought, oh, that, that, that's definitely a, a decent group we can get through. What was it Porto, Leipzig, things like that? It was. Mm-hmm. It turned out to be tougher. And Hoffenheim, you know, they they didn't have a great European season last year, but it was their first time there. Nagelsmann is clearly an extremely talented coach, so. Mm. that's not going to be straightforward at all. And Shakhtar, the same. I don't really know who are in their team, but they're never easy to, to play. They're never easy to go to. Mm. So I think Lyon should get through, but they need to be aware. Yeah. And PSG, that's, that is a tough group. Um, it's going to be a to see fun them. group. Yeah. I want yeah. to see them that beat Liverpool so much. It's a popcorn group. Possibly ice cream as well. I just think that they are. I just think that in that group, that, that if if they can, I think they'll beat Napoli. I think they'll beat uh, Red Stars. I'll call them forever. Um, to beat them, to beat Liverpool would be so funny. I'm just going to put that out there. Sorry, Liverpool fans, but it would just shut a few people up. I think um, because there I, is th- a- I think I think PSG should qualify. I think it'd be a yeah. big disappointment if they don't. Yeah. Um, but I think it's probably fair to say that. Well, maybe it's not fair. I was going to say it's fair to say Liverpool are stronger than them. I just think Liverpool have got more sort of Liverpool know, the same coach and the same team as last year. I think that helps. Yeah. yeah. Um, Napoli are the, the ones I don't know about. I mean, mm. Ancelotti is an excellent, has an excellent Champions League record, mm. but not so good in recent years. And they lost 3 0 to Sampdoria at the weekend. Yeah. So Nap- they are a little bit up and down. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's been such a sorry team for, for so long. They're going to take time to adjust so mm. Cavani going home as well quote unquote as the saying says and yeah um, we'll, we'll just quickly glance over the, Euro- the Europa as well because uh, after I relegated Leon, sorry about that Leon uh, it's actually of course Marseille the, the big ones to look at uh, as well as a couple of others which we'll come on to Marseille are in the same group as uh, Apollon Eintracht Frankfurt and Lazio that, uh, can I just say that, that made me laugh I mean Marseille fans who are still boring everyone going on about that Champions League group that they had a few years ago. Yeah. Already sort of readying themselves and saying we're in the group of death. Bollocks are they in the group of death. There's much harder groups than that. Celtic are in a group with three league champions. Yeah. It doesn't, <laughs> um, and there's other harder groups than that as well. So, yeah. You look at um, men have come out fairly well with Astana, uh, Dynamo Kiev and uh, Jablonek, who I must admit I'd never heard of. I think um, the bonus for Ren is that even if they get knocked out, they'll have a lot of air miles. 
Yeah, very much so. Yeah, plenty of plenty of time. I seriously have to do some research before we bring back the Europa Corner. Oh God, yeah. Well, the well, the other one to look at as well is, is Bordeaux. Uh, that yeah. the other representatives they're in with with uh, FC Copenhagen, Slavia Prague, and Zenit St Petersburg, which again Ooh, quietly is quite a tough group, I think. Yeah. Um, the same again. I think they can. Selling club, but again, I think they can all call it. They've all got very makeable groups. Mm. But also very fuck upable groups, given mm, yeah. the teams. And when you when you look that. at when you look at the fact that this Europa League this year does have Arsenal, has, say what you will, uh, has Milan, uh, Rangers, and Celtic, Villarreal. <laughs> uh, you know, there's Sevilla. There's a few big big clubs in the Chelsea. Of course, it's actually Milan's group is the one that actually caught my eye just because Dudelange from Luxembourg are in. yes indeed and yeah. frankly that's the closest mess we'll get to Europe for a while <laughs> and they've and got they've well. got Milan Olympiacos and Betis and that that's cracking <laughs> that assuming is... that they were never expecting to qualify anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure Luxembourg them. is going to be able to cope with the visiting fans from Olympiacos <laughs> yeah, and that's, even that's, my that's... vague memories of them coming over in the Champions League to Montpellier sometimes um, <laughs> It's it's almost as fun as as the headache UEFA must have experienced when Salzburg and Leipzig came out uh, in the same group under the Red Bull banner. Um, I'm sure that was a delight for them. But uh, and and in Arsenal's group, of course, we um, uh, there was an issue if you can't play. Apparently, Henrik Mkhitaryan can't play because of one of the countries playing against him doesn't allow his his country Armenia into their country. So so there's all sorts of little subplots going across. Oh, all these this groups. is a visa thing. Yeah, oh, they they oh, won't allow Armenia. Into um, Carabag, apparently. So, uh, yeah, fun times. But um, yeah, I, th- I think it's fair to say all, all the French sides have got groups that, that are sort of qualifiable. That's even a word. And equally, they could spark up a football out. Yeah, as we discussed earlier. Banana exactly. skinnable. Banana skinnable. Yes. Insert quote here. Okay. Cool. Well, um, I think we'll we'll call that a day for this week. I think we've we've gone over as much as we could on the top four. As well, I say, just, we've done it. Just one thing. Yes. Who are France playing? Uh, I've been away for a week. I'm really, really confused. Right? This is the Nations League that nobody mm-hmm. cares about, isn't it? Yes. They're um, playing Germany on Thursday and the Netherlands on Sunday. Good oh, stuff. Okay, I mean, good. to be fair, two, two probably watchable games, but uh, I don't think anyone really gives a monkey, especially when you're world champions. Just throw well, that one out there again. Allez, Benjamin Lecomte. Indeed, yes, well done, Benji. Um, but yeah, we will we will uh, give give those games a nod. I'm sure on on uh, next week's pod uh, or the week after is one of the two. But yeah, we will uh, endeavour to be back next week if uh, schedules align. So we will touch on those two if there's anything to touch on. Then um, we will also do a couple more of these quote unquote specials in the season to put the focus on some of the lesser talked about clubs. But we wanted to start uh, this pod with just a bit of a highlight on the top four. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, and don't worry, League Dough fans. We will be talking about the Jez versus Chris Derby uh, as Mets and Lorient go head-to-head for the League Dirt title, um, which we all know that Mets will fall apart and fall out of by Christmas. So um, That's fine as long as we finish in the top two. <laughs> <laughs> Aiming for second, that's what we want. Uh, but no, we will be across that in the coming weeks as well. Um, we're not going to uh, go for questions this week because we have had a bit of a bumper pod, but uh, send them in. We'll do our best to get to those next week. And uh, hopefully we'll be back up to the full comp as well 
so I shall uh, I shall I shall draw a line there. But um, thank you very much, Phil and Jez, for uh, joining me this evening. Much appreciated. Thank you. And uh, as I say, keep uh, keep an eye on the website for the new content. Uh, read some of the old content because it's still very much worth looking at, particularly the stories about how I came to support. They're always good. And uh, keep an eye on our Twitter feed, of course, as well for upcoming episodes to get your questions in. But uh, for now, I shall draw a close to this week's pod. Thank you very much for listening as ever. Keep things coming our way and we'll keep talking French football. Until then, allez le bleu. We'll speak to you next week. <laughs>